Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. Good morning, honey. It's time for our Compassion Radio 360 program. It's the end of the week, and we try to focus on something that has jumped out to us from the news of the world around us so we can get more of a God perspective on bigger issues. I mean, some of these stories that we've highlighted have been very troubling. Others have been very inspiring. Mm -hmm. We try to find something every week that allows us to really kind of dig deeper into the thing that really is eternal, the Mm -hmm. thing that's going to keep going with us through our lives and on into eternity afterwards. We're looking for hope Mm -hmm. in every corner we can find it. Today's story is a really interesting one, and it resonates with us because of our own personal history. And I know that for many people that are listening today, the issues that it brings up are very emotional issues. And a lot of people are going through those things right now. A lot of people are experiencing some pretty devastating situations in their life. To expand on what it looks like to be in situations that are difficult and how to handle them. In a big picture kind of way. Exactly. There's a lot of hope in this girl's story because she was trained to live in hope and to extend hope to others. And I'd like to note here, too, that since the time this article was published this summer in the New York Times, there's still people that are passing away from COVID. And it's something that nobody in America or around the world anymore hasn't had somebody be affected by this. And it's going to be a generational memory right. and a trauma that we'll all have to work through and explain to our kids later why it was so weird in the early 2020s that we all went through something together, which we'd never hope to repeat. But it has its effects on us. And how we choose to respond to it is the way we prevent us reacting in ways that mm-hmm. are counterproductive and are dangerous to our emotional health and to relationships. We have to know what we've been up against, what we've come through, and what we need to be doing about facing challenges in the future. I like what you said a minute ago about how she had been trained in hope. Yeah. That is an important thing to note about this article. I just wanted to highlight that because it's important as believers that we train our children in Mm -hmm. hope. That we train those around us in hope. The people that influenced this young woman were her aunt and uncle, showing persistent faith to someone who was very impressionable. And we can do that across the board. And the story feathers in very well with the things that we are about here at Compassion Radio, Mm -hmm. which is bringing awareness and opportunity to those who want to live the gospel life. They Mm -hmm. want to be involved with doing God's work and to do it effectively. So Mm -hmm. let's read that story here. The title of the article is this, Survivor of White House Lightning Strike Embraces Third Chance at Life. On her 28th birthday, Amber Escudero Contestatus was struck by lightning in Lafayette Square. Three other people died. Her heart stopped twice, but she lived. Mm -hmm. This article was published August 19, 2022 in the New York Times. When Amber drifts off into a light sleep, she's frequently awakened by a feeling similar to a dream of falling, except the thing that jolts her is a glowing ball of light the size of a playground ball speeding toward her face. Mm. She's not sure if it's a memory of being hit by lightning in a park near the White House or if her brain is trying to process the extraordinary circumstances of her survival. Not only is she one of the few people in the United States to be struck by lightning this year, she is the only one of the four who survived this particular strike. Her heartbeat stopped twice. The second time, it did not start again for more than 10 minutes. Two nurses who helped her told her that they didn't know how she survived. Some might call her survival a miracle, but she credits the emergency medical workers and wonders why a miracle thing made space only for her. Mm. Now that question goes to the issue of survivor's guilt. How right. many people have we met in life that have survived something that someone else that they loved did not? Mm-hmm. 
they can't unburden themselves of that link to the person that's gone, and they somehow feel like it is their fault or they bear the guilt for whatever happened. It's not logical. It's not reasonable, and yet it's something that seems to be natural for the human being to experience. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we're going to be experiencing a lot more of that kind of survivor's guilt in the wake of this pandemic. You know, there are people that have gone through tremendous suffering and survived it. We know some. They all struggle with, why was I one that survived? Why did I get to the brink and make it back when so many others who were maybe more healthy than me, maybe younger than me, maybe older than me, whatever, maybe more vital, whatever they, yeah. their reasoning, yeah. they're feeling guilty about it. Yes, it's a miracle, but why did I get the miracle? Right. As Amber puts it, she says, I'm not really comfortable being the one, but it's the hand I was dealt. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for it, and I'm going to make sure I do not let those three people down. The three people she's talking about were near her in the park, but mm-hmm. she didn't even know them. Right. I carry them with me in thought and in action every day, she says. Mm. The three who died were Donna Muller and her husband, James Muller, both in their 70s, from Janesville, Wisconsin, and Brooks Lambertson, 29, of Los Angeles. The Mullers were retired and celebrating their 56th wedding anniversary on that trip. Mr. Lambertson, a vice president at City National Bank, had been in town for work. The four had been together in Lafayette Square across Pennsylvania Avenue from the White House around 6.50 p.m. when lightning struck in their immediate vicinity, and that lightning bolt scattered and went through all four of them. Secret Service agents, United States Park police officers, and two traveling nurses immediately started providing aid. And it became apparent pretty quick that she was the only one that could possibly survive Mm. the strike. She's slowly recovering from burns on her left side. Amber says, I want to live my life for those who didn't make it. Amber was in the park that day because she worked for an agency that we're all familiar with here at Compassion Radio, the International Rescue Committee. She was at the park that night to ask people to make recurring donations to the IRC because they do nonprofit humanitarian work that addresses people in crisis zones. And she was about to leave for her birthday dinner that Mm -hmm. night when the lightning struck. She said she didn't have a heartbeat when emergency responders first arrived, but they were able to bring her back to life for about 12 minutes before her heart stopped again for an estimated 10 to 13 minutes. That's a long time. Yeah, it is. Think of people that are trying to save her life. When you're doing CPR, most people that respond to CPR and come back to life from a heart attack or a shock will be back to breathing on their own within a minute to maybe three or four mm-hmm. at most. And the entire time is going to be intense for those trying to save your life. If you've been trained in CPR at all and you've had to exercise those skills, it is exhausting mm-hmm. because you are literally pumping an entire body mm-hmm. trying to get it to move blood enough through the lungs to get enough oxygen there to keep the brain alive. That's all you're trained to do is just pump, 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 pump and count. Know how long it's been. Switch off if you have to, but don't give up. You don't ever stop until emergency responders say, we've got this. Mm-hmm. So if you're a volunteer and you're doing this, you just stay on it until someone in authority releases you. 10 to 13 minutes later, you have run out of energy, but you still don't stop because you've been trained for this. Mm-hmm. The nurses later told her that her body had been gray from the stomach down and the rest was purple. Wow. Interesting thought. She says she considers August 4th, 2022 to be her new birthday. Hmm. For someone who died twice in one day, that says a lot. Yeah. She says it blows her mind that when she was out doing her job as a canvasser, asking people to help strangers experiencing the worst moment of their lives, that the strangers around her ended up saving her life. We could take a whole program on just that sentence, because that's exactly what we're about. Yeah. As believers, that is what we should be about. Yeah. So she was living a fine example of activist 
Christian commitment to mm-hmm. the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. She's yeah. loving people as she loves herself and as she's loving God with all her heart, mind, and soul, and strength. Absolutely. She's doing that, making the cause for others who need help. So I celebrate her for that. She was desperate to get back to work at the IRC, but her doctor said that she still needs a lot of rest. Still, they've allowed her to start graduate school and with a smaller course load than she initially planned. So her enthusiasm for work and school hides the fact that she's often in immense pain. Now, survivors have a hard time communicating this a bit. And we have a good friend we've talked about on the air a couple of times, Brian, who was one of the COVID survivors that was statistically completely unlikely to live through it because he was one of the less than 1% that actually gets off the ventilator after months on it. Right. What most people don't account for is that the miracle they saw in Brian's life still comes with a huge amount of burden and responsibility and struggle. He's going through immense pain every day, too, because his nerves have been fried from Mm -hmm. that disease. And so he would resonate very much with the story of Amber here. So Amber's nerves are misfiring. Her foot will sometimes feel like it's in bare snow. On the worst day, she feels like there are 10,000 grains of salt moving through each pore of her Mm. feet. That's a vivid picture. Myself, having been a survivor of stroke, I can tell you that the misfiring of wires in your brain telling you the wrong thing or you're interpreting it wrong is miserable. But it does at least remind you that you're still alive. You're still alive. Pain reminds you of that. Yeah. And that story that Amber's telling reminds me of my experience for sure. Well, this is a good reminder to us all as well that we don't often see what's going on in someone's life, what's under the surface. Now, maybe when you saw Amber, you would see that she's walking with a walker, Mm -hmm. uh, if she still is, because it takes time for all of those nerves and muscles to rebuild themselves after a terrible accident like this. But we don't see what's going on in someone's life under the surface or behind the the door. Right. So if we don't pay attention, if we don't have that empathetic inkling in our life, then we tend to just excuse those things or we ignore those things. We don't see people's real pain. And, and we're not going to ask the question, how sure. are you really doing? And actually listen to the sure. answers. That, I think, is the biggest thing about empathy. Is it's not just a innate thing. It's to learn, but it's also perfected. You mm-hmm. actually have to practice empathy in order to get good at it, yeah. which is to ask God to start with, help me to understand what's going on around me. What do you want me to know about this person, the situation? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much our motto the rest of our lives. <laughs> for sure. It's been mentored well for us. Amber was saying at the moment she felt the worst, when she felt like she was going to die, she yells to herself out loud, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. Gratitude will do a lot to change your mind. And to reset your will, Mm -hmm. for sure. She learned years ago to focus on gratitude from the examples of her aunt Melinda, who had recurring bouts of cancer for 12 years, and her uncle Les, who had cancer for nine years. They both died from their illnesses. But during treatment, they would always talk about how grateful they were to still be alive. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. We continue to focus our relief efforts on the intrepid Christians getting relief to the front lines of conflict in Ukraine. Oksana Gorbanova is the tip of the spear on this project. Just last week, she and team members from our partner, Serve Ukraine, finished delivering aid that you provided through your generous giving. Here's how your gift made a difference this time. A refugee and orphanage center was quickly built in western Ukraine that Oksana's volunteers currently use to serve hundreds of new refugees every day. You helped to buy seed for a new community farm and garden that is feeding hundreds of people. You helped to buy a herd of cows that is now providing children with fresh milk. And the farm itself is providing work and hope for those who feel lost and without purpose. For all of this, friends, I say thank you. And don't stop now. 
Please give generously today so we can keep growing our Serve Ukraine project and supporting heroes like Oksana Gorbanova. They're bracing for a brand new wave of refugees heading their way. So again, please give whatever the Lord enables you to, to help us save more lives and deliver more hope. Just call today, 1-800-868-2478. Or write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And catch us on the web, of course, at CompassionRadio.com. She learned years ago to focus on gratitude from the examples of her Aunt Melinda, who had recurring bouts of cancer for 12 years, and her Uncle Les, who had cancer for nine years. They both died from their illnesses. But during treatment, they would always talk about how grateful they were to still be alive. And what is it about being alive when you're suffering that makes it worthwhile? It's going to come down to relationships and love. Yeah. The things and the people you love the most, the things you enjoy, the things that you treasure. Where is your treasure stored up? You're going to go toward that. Mm -hmm. There is an eternal treasure course. We talk about that. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Don't store them here. Don't waste your treasure on things that will pass away or that are worthless. Choose the eternal things, Jesus tells us. She obviously was learning that from these two people. They loved those around them. And as long as they were here, they were going to live, mm -hmm. even if it meant living with and through and in suffering. Right. Well, these are the people that we talked about earlier that are training them in hope. Yeah. And we can take our lesson, actually, from these two, from her aunt and uncle, who trained this young woman in hope, who showed her what it was like to be grateful, to have a grateful heart, and to really model that for her in such a way that was a very strong impact on her. Yeah. Now, we can all say, oh, I'm, I'm grateful for my home, I'm grateful for my family, and we should be, and we should say those things. Yeah. It's often more difficult to do that when you're in pain or when you're suffering or when you seem like you're in a very dark place. It's hard to be grateful. Mm -hmm. And if you're like me, sometimes you're a little pessimistic about <laughs> life and about situations. And so you go to the sad place first. Yeah. Well, And it's okay to be sad. We've got to grieve things out. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not like we're going to solve anything by stuffing our feelings or our, our pain. Right. And that's not what I'm yeah. saying. I'm just suggesting yeah. that... When you're in that place, and this is a suggestion to myself, I'm speaking to myself here, when you're in that place of sadness or that place that feels very dark and lonely, remember, there's always something that you can be grateful for and always something that you can look at or someone or a situation you can look at and say, I'm grateful yeah. that I have these people around me or this situation to look forward to. When we're hurting, too, though, it's also not uncommon that we would resent the nice platitudes or the input or the advice of other people. Hmm. Now are you talking to me? No, I'm talking in general. <laughs> Let's find ourselves specifically where we need to and yes. where we don't ignore it. <laughs> I would say that the example of her aunt and uncle, they have moral authority, one, because they have a relationship with her already. They're in a family. But secondly, they didn't advise her or give her an idea or brush her off or ignore their own pain. They challenged her. Mm. They faced head on their own suffering and invited her in close to see it because a relationship was more important than being away from the harm or the hurt. Shielding her. Yeah. And sometimes I think we try too hard to shield others because we don't want to go so deep into having to explain what we're really feeling and the conflicted emotions or thoughts we have while we're dealing with something that's difficult. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be seen poorly by people that we say we love. Yeah. These uncles and aunts that she's admiring here and looking to for moral guidance in her tragedy, 
seemed like the kind of people that were fiercely honest Mm -hmm. and that she clung to that. She says, I've always had that notion of gratitude from them, but since this has happened to me, the part that I've learned is to just take on life without fear of failure. Mm. If you live, if you survive, that is a success. We may have a different metric for what we consider success in our lives. We want to be happy in a certain way. We want to have certain things. We have all this list of things that would be considered success. But the calculus changes drastically when we face some real challenge. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they equipped her to do, to reassess quickly on the fly and say, what is worth living for? Why am I still here? I may never know. But since I am... I'm going to live in this gratitude. Yeah. That's choice, right? Yeah. But she was trained and made aware that it's possible to choose these things and to pursue them. The basic fact that she was struck by lightning remains hard to grasp, she said. The odds of being struck by lightning in any given year are less than one in a million. Extremely rare, but it's still going to happen to people every mm-hmm. year. Yeah. When I worked in the brain injury rehab facility, we had two clients at that time that I was there that were struck by lightning. Both had very different outcomes. One of them was functional and was Mm -hmm. able to move around and converse, but probably was not going to be able to live on their own for the rest of their life. The other one was completely compromised. Their brain was just really messed up by the whole thing. And so to see this girl who has gone through this and is living her life enthusiastically afterwards and has a new lease on life is exciting to me. When you sent me this article, I thought, oh, my goodness, what is this going to be about? And when I heard the story back in the summer, I thought, man, I've walked with people who've experienced this. It's not a pretty thing. It is difficult on the family. The family struggles through all of this to grasp what is happening and how their life has changed and how from this day forward, we have a different set of parameters that we live in. It can be an ugly thing for families. One of the families split up because of Mm -hmm. it, because it was so difficult. And they probably felt the loss of thinking this person is never really coming back to us. Right. Well, and they weren't, not the way that they remembered them. But any of us who have to deal with family who are going through decline or elderly parents that are living much longer than their parents did, and with that, so many more challenges, whether mental or physical, than their parents might have experienced when they died younger. This is a strange pivot, I think, for a culture to realize that there's going to be more suffering in the future, not less. Mm -hmm. There'll be more ways to keep people alive, but there's still going to be the reality that something's going to finally break down. And because we can prolong life so much... That breakdown could be a very long struggle for everybody involved. Right. So what does it mean to be a family through all of that? The close to this article, Amber shares this observation. I've been given these multiple chances of life again, and that was not given to others that fell victim to the lightning strike that day. Amber says, so I feel that I owe myself. I owe everyone around me that's helping me, but especially the three others that passed away. All of myself. Every single day to never hold back to never get lazy or give up too easy or get down too quickly, to always make sure that I am always getting back up and giving my all. Mm. We'll make a quick pivot here to a scripture to wrap this thing up. And it's one that's very familiar to all of us. But I think in the context of this story, it takes on a new poignance. And that's the end of the story of the Good Samaritan, the one who was on the outside looking in that discovered somebody that should have been helped by somebody else. And was not expected to offer any encouragement or help to the other because they were the ones that were on the outside. They were the illegal aliens. The Good Samaritan in the story is the person who is not welcome in that society. Kind of like the refugees that Amber was advocating for when she was struck by lightning in Lafayette Square. Mm. That person on the outside, this Good Samaritan... We look at them because we know they're good because of the way Jesus stole the story. But if we started the story without Jesus explaining the context, 
we would have looked on the Samaritan very differently, and many still do. At the end of that story, people are left with an uncomfortable thought. Mm -hmm. This person who they thought was worthless and should be looked down upon is suddenly the hero. And Jesus makes this person the hero in the story, and not just theoretically or as a fable where he's trying to teach a moral truth. I think he's actually talking about things that really happen in real life, maybe things he's even seen himself. But he turns around to the person who asked about who's your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And this is how Jesus closes out that discussion. In your opinion, asked Jesus, which one of these three acted like a neighbor toward the man attacked by robbers? Then the teacher of the law answered him, the one who was kind to him. Yeah. Now, that teacher of the law was somebody who would never use the word on its lips, Samaritan, because they just couldn't say it. Mm-hmm. It was like such a, such a complete oxymoron that Jesus was teaching about because they had never, ever considered that somebody that seems worthless could be a hero. And that someone like me, who has it all together, would need somebody to care for me. You know, when you're at death's door, when you've had life knocked out of you by something, what can you do about it? Well, the answer is pretty much nothing, because you have no strength to get up off the ground. Amber in the story was literally knocked to the ground by the strongest jolt of electricity known to man. Mm -hmm. That she even survived at all is stunning. That her mind survived is even more amazing. That her personality, her will, her passion, the things that she values survived this is, to me, a miracle. Mm -hmm. Because so many people are so altered by this. And she knows her body's pain, and she's able to articulate that, and she's not shying away from it. She's telling the truth, whoever asks about it. But she doesn't hide behind that as a victim, because she's not a victim. Mm -hmm. She is a wounded person who knows that she's loved and knows that she has a purpose in life and has a reason to love others and is not giving up. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was invested into her by people who loved her and showed her how to be a good Samaritan. Yeah. I think, too, about the story where Paul says, I have all of these things that I'm going through. I have this thorn in my flesh. Mm -hmm. and, And for years, theologians have debated over what that means. But nonetheless, I serve a risen Lord. I serve Jesus, and I walk through life pursuing love and godliness. And that's what I see here in Amber as well. I see that she's got this thorn in her flesh. (laughs) She's got this very difficult situation that she's living in, and she will be living in this for the rest of her life. And she probably will have pain for the rest of her life. And she's a young woman, which is a sad thing to me, but she has chosen to live in and through that. She's chosen gratitude. Mm-hmm. And gratitude, as people who have suffered know, is not an idea. It is a willful choice to invite in God's presence, really, mm-hmm. because you're thanking somebody for something. You're inviting that person into the room saying, I am so glad I'm still here, and I'm so glad you're here with me. That kind of gratitude is something that I would aspire to, and I would encourage others to be pursuing as well. That's all we got for the Compassion Radio 360 this week. A link to the article is available on our website if you'd like to read more about this story. And we encourage you, pursue God. Love Him. Let Him show you why there are reasons to be grateful. Show you all the reasons you might have for gratitude this year. We'll see you Monday for the next Compassion Radio Chasing the Word.
Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Will you help us today? Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.